In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. What if money wasn't the answer? What would it be? Well, my name is Tony Grebmeyer, and this is episode number 27. And today, our guest is a sought-after global executive, having worked for multiple Fortune 500 companies. And what sets him apart is that he has managed to carve out success beyond the corporate world. Because he also knows, as a TED speaker and a top 50 podcaster, along with an award-winning entrepreneur, he's known for impacting storytelling into people's lives and taking his message of accelerating success through leaders and teams to five continents and recently made one of the hardest and also the easiest decisions of his life, that is to venture away from a desk job in corporate America to launch his passion project, Meeting Spark. Please welcome our in-studio guest, Peter Lynch. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited for this interview. I've been watching you. We've been friends for four or five years, and I couldn't have been more excited when I received the phone call. Guess what I'm doing today? (laughs) But we're going to talk about that today as we climb up Success Mountain, but I want to keep it really focused first and foremost on the question, what is your definition of success? Yeah. For me, it really is based in gratitude. So it's living a life of gratitude. It's having intention towards my purpose. And then it's creating steps that move me towards that. So not just having that desire, but actually taking the steps to get there. Well, we definitely know you've been taking some steps these days. Yeah. All right. So give us a little context background a little bit so we can kind of know who Peter is besides (laughs) the intro that I read about you in your bio. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah. So I grew up in rural Washington State, really small town called Rainier. Population, I still remember the sign, 948 people. Tiny town. (laughs) And I grew up to a single mom. We lived in a single wide mobile home. And my mom worked super hard, but she had never graduated high school. And I'd never met my dad. And so she, she really has become one of my heroes because of she taught me, I think, the first key lesson, which is hard work you know, which is do what needs to be done. She didn't always like it, but she did it because she knew she had to. And so that was a huge lesson for me. And that that has really led to that third part of success that I talk about, which is if you're not taking steps towards something, intention doesn't matter. You have to combine intention with movement. All right. Growing up, when did you leave Rainier? So I left Rainier to go to college. It was 1991, would have been around June or July of 1991. So you went from population 948 to 947. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Okay, so you leave. Tell me a little bit about growing up for you. What was like education, sports? What was that? Was it easy for you, hard for you? Well, you know, I was I was never a great student. I mean, I was I got, you know, probably C averages, but part of the reason was because I was so social. You know, I was obsessed with connecting with people. And that was such a big part. I had a, a great network of friends. I was known for not always being in class when I should be because I was interacting with people out in the hall. So I was definitely a social person and really well connected. You know, I had a best friend from the time I was in kindergarten. We're still best friends to this day, Chad. And, you know, that really was a core of who I became. His family was a real traditional family. Mine wasn't. And so as I spent time there, you know, I kind of got an experience that was different from the one I had at home. Not saying it was better or worse, just different. And so 
him and I were really, we had a yin and yang kind of growing up. <laughs> I like that. I've asked this a couple of times on the show and I always find it fascinating from, especially like I can relate. You're like a C average student. I'll see you when I, when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't see you, it means I wasn't there today. But if you could go back to school today, maybe as a professor or a teacher, yeah. what classes or courses do you think you would choose to teach to get you mm-hmm. to have a seat in the class, maybe near the front, not in the back or near the exit? Boy, that's a great question. You know, I had one of my teachers that I remember really well, Mrs. Rossmeyer. She actually is still there. And I went back to speak for Rainier for the teachers last year, and she's still there and she's fantastic. I caused her a lot of grief. <laughs> we, there, we have this famous line back and forth where one day I walked in the class and she yelled in front of the whole class, Peter, who do you think you are? <laughs> so I would probably go back. She did uh, journalism and she did, you know, typing and a bunch of classes like that. I'd probably go back to that because I understand now how important communication is. Mm. I mean, it's paramount, you know, and she was really one of the key influences for me around this idea that get a voice and use that voice. Yeah, definitely use that voice. I can still remember. It was probably my junior year and Mr. Indra was teaching the class and he said, Oh, Grebmeyer, are you related to Julie? And I said, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, she was such a great student. I said, I am nothing like that. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. nothing like that. All right. So where'd you go off to college? I went to a private university, Northwest University up in Seattle, a suburb of Seattle. And I spent four years there, got my degree. Again, not a great student because I was actually out doing stuff, spending a lot of time with friends, a lot of time volunteering at places, you know, a lot of time really trying to impact the community and learn. All right. What was your degree eventually in? So my degree, I actually got a youth ministry degree. So my focus was to become a pastor. And I actually spent about three years as a pastor in a small town called North Bend, a youth pastor. It was a fantastic experience. It was this small country church. I had a full-time day job, which, you know, kind of made sense for how I grew up and how I lived my life. But I started in this small church and we ended up growing it to, it was about, they would have about 50 people on Sundays. We ended up growing the midweek youth group to hundreds of kids. We were, you know, exponentially larger than the church meeting was. And we took hundreds of kids on these trips to inner city LA, inner city DC, inner city Miami, down into Mexico. And we really, my whole focus was to give them an experience that showed them the why behind service is important. Pastor Pete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, every time I get together with you, I learn something different about you. I just find you fascinating. All right. So in your early 20s, tell me a little bit about your kind of career path. Get me a little bit to now, because I want to go up Success Mountain with you. And one thing that I've learned on climbing up Success Mountain is very rare do we find people who are the top of the game for a long period of time because they either have a chase and a desire, so they want to get down off the top and go try something again. Yeah. They want to break stuff, right? There's something about, oh, I did it, but now what am I going to do? And it's not like I'm going to go retire because I found success. It's probably the opposite. I want to see what else I can do and what other people I can aspire to help them go and find success. So I want to kind of go from education quickly to maybe the last five years of your life. Fill us in. And I got an idea of how we're going to get up Success Mountain. I'm going to be your Sherpa today. So I'm going to take (laughs) you up Success Mountain. I'm going to ask once we're at the top, we'll take a little break. 
And once we take a little break, I'm going to come back and you're going to be the Sherpa to get us down Success Mountain. And what I'm looking today during our interview is for you to kind of give us the ups and the downs, the lessons you've learned, the way you've been able to pivot and come back, maybe some things you left completely, but things that you keep thinking about and how, you know, we don't want to get to the end of life or the end of our journey and have a bunch of regrets. So some of the things you've been doing to overcome some of that. And I think if we go down this path, I think we're going to learn a couple of things about you today that the world didn't know. Yeah. And so that's my invitation to you listening today is that regardless of a title, regardless of the person I'm interviewing, the lessons we're going to be learning today are going to be super impactful. So stay, stay really close as Peter's going to unpack some of his life's journey for us today. That's good. All right. So, you know, really, I spent three or four years, as I mentioned, doing that and then ended up meeting who would be my future wife. And we connected and she moved out to the Seattle area. We ended up deciding that we wanted to you know, spend our life together. And I ended up moving out to the Midwest. So I left every single thing that I knew, all my friends, my job, my career, everything that I knew I left. And so we moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I said, what am I going to do? You know, at this point, we were pregnant now with my son, Cole. And I said, what am I going to do to provide for my family? And I knew that deep down, one of my great passions was communication and presentations. You know, that kind of fed itself into everything I had done. And so I said, well, I want to work for a big company. And in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, there was only one at the time. There was Gateway Computers. And so I went into a retail store. I walked in and said, do you have any openings for trainers, for people that are training? Got a job. And I ended up just being really successful in that arena. And I moved up the corporate ladder super quick. Okay. So you get this opportunity. Are you having fun? Is it like what you kind of envisioned the corporate ladder or corporate America would be like? It wasn't. It wasn't what I envisioned it like. Actually, you know, I've always had this really strong ownership mentality in everything I did. So I don't wait for people to get approval. I just make things happen. So it wasn't what I was anticipating. I was expecting lots of boundaries, you know, lots of structure that I didn't like. But what I found is if you show up in a certain way and make really good things happen, that people like that. They're actually looking for that in corporate America. And I think that's why I became so successful because I wasn't the person who came in and just said, what do you want me to do? I came in and said, here's what we need to do. And I made it happen. Yeah. I love that attitude. And you know, it's interesting. I always want team members to come in and like, we hired you because you have talent. We yeah. hired you because we saw something in you. Yes. And so many sit at a computer and go, what would you like me to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love Steve Jobs, one of my all-time favorite quotes of his. He said, we don't hire great people to tell them what to do. We hire great people so they'll tell us what we should do. Amen. And I, and I, you know, I read a really riveting article about Steve just talking about just some of the types of people you would hire and then how these people had to fall into certain buckets or they wouldn't mm-hmm. be hired. And then once you would like try to get on as an Apple employee. Yeah. Don't quote me 100% on this fact, <laughs> but the statement was something like, if you didn't make it, yeah. there was no second chance, no reapply later down the road. It was like, ah, sorry, yep. good Bye-bye. luck. <laughs> I hope I hope you find your path somewhere else. Yes. It's not an Apple. <laughs> Have you heard a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Tony? I've kind of integrated some of those same things into how I've led talent management in big companies and hiring and recruiting. I actually have, and I learned this originally from Zappos. So Zappos, when they would do interviews, they had a question. And this question was binary. Based on how you answered it, it put you in or out. And the question was, do you consider yourself a lucky person? Now, and if you said no, they weren't going to hire you. It's not because they believed in quote unquote luck. 
but they wanted people who had intentional belief mm-hmm. in the good. And so that was their question. So I, when I heard that, I said, I need to find my question. So here is my question when I interview people. What I do is I ask them about the job they're applying for, and I listen less to what they say, and I look more at how they are talking, their energy. And at the very end of the interview, I ask them, I say, tell me your favorite thing to do outside of work. <laughs> and again, I watch them and their energy. And if the delta between their energy between that first question and the last question is too big, I know that this is not the job for them because they're not going to bring the energy and passion necessary to be successful. I want people that are doing this job with the same kind of energy that they do their favorite thing outside of work. So true. And that brings me to an interesting point. As we're recording this, I allowed the opportunity in space. We created it through the partners to give four of our team members an opportunity to go spend four days in San Jose with Tony Robbins. Oh, that's awesome. So we had just generic seats. And I said, (laughs) let's go get them VIP seats. And I can't remember the exact quote, but if you don't help to train up your people, right, you're going to be stuck with people that haven't leveled up, right? You're going to be stuck with what they were the version when they showed up, right? And somebody said, well, aren't you afraid of them leaving? No, because that's the whole reason why I want to be surrounded by people. Yes. And yeah, the quote is, the quote says, you know, somebody wanted to train employees and the CEO said, well, what if we train them and they leave? And they responded, what if we don't and they stay? Yes. (laughs) I love that. And, And so team members have been here 17 years, Wow, 16 years, and I have the same mentality. Like I want to train people I want to give everybody the path and the steps and the, and like show them like what is possible yeah. by being a mirror so they can see themselves as more. That's great. Right? Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about some pivots that you've been making the last five, six years. Yep. So let's talk about some of the things that you've been facing, challenges just you've been overcoming and things that you've dived into. I know it's not topic of our big conversation today, but you launched an app. This app is available worldwide. It's huge. You've got all this amazing insight on it. And it's just there, right? And yeah. then uh, I think when we met years back, our kids were playing lacrosse. We were at <laughs> Valor here in Colorado. We just got a chance to kind of network and kind of build a friendship. And I think at the time you were working for Western Union. Western Union, yep. Yeah, so Western Union till now. Tell me a little bit about some of the opportunities you've been able to create. Yeah, so Western Union, that was a really good opportunity for a couple of reasons. One, It truly was the first real global company. I mean, it doesn't get much more global than Western Union. You know, we operate in 200 countries. We have employees all over. I had employees in three continents. I mean, it was a truly global opportunity. I really leveraged that to start to find my voice, to say, what is Peter's voice? And I got opportunities to work with some executive teams. And as I did that, I found this is what I was made to do. And this is what my next stage is all about. I then had an opportunity where a company, Great West Financial, reached out to me. They were going through a major transition. It was three really large companies, J.P. Morgan Chase's Arm of Retirement, Great West Financial, and Putnam Investments coming together. And they needed help bringing these three distinct leadership teams together. And so I went and delivered a session to the top 100 leaders in the company about how do you come together as a team. And it was such a great presentation that they asked me to come on full-time. So I came on full-time, and for two years, I've led talent management, social responsibility, and diversity and inclusion. And really, I think, built some amazing results around what the future of talent looks like and how talent transformation is taking place. And most recently, and this has happened, you know, (laughs) just really recently, I've given my notice and leaving there, and I'm launching my startup full-time. 
So, wow. I get goosebumps thinking when, and you didn't give it enough power and emphasis. <laughs> that was not something, oh, hey, by the way, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go start my thing. Yeah. You said it like, yeah, and I started this new thing. I just want to stop for a moment to just give you what that means when I receive a phone call that day and you're like, hey, I'm making a decision effectively, immediately, I'm leaving and I'm going to go start my own venture. Yeah. (laughs) What did that feel like to even be able to make that phone call? Well, I mean, it was exciting because you are such a great bounce back of energy to me. Right. You really help. You've helped me a lot over time around direction, you know, and what am I doing? How am I thinking? What's the why? So I was excited about that, but I'm scared. I'm scared shitless about it, you know, to be fully honest. Yeah. There's a lot of fear because I'm stepping away from a huge salary and bonus structure. All right. So let's lie for a second and say you're not scared. Yeah. Let's just say for a moment you're not scared. Yeah. What does life look like for you? Well, you know, I don't know. I kind of like the fear a little bit. And let me tell you why. So I'll tell you this, and then I'll tell you what life would look like if I didn't have that. I like the fear a little because what I found is that fear is something that has caused me to not step into things that I should have. And so what I'm now finding is that fear kind of is my compass. Fear is where when I'm headed towards something and I get a little afraid, I kind of know I'm going the right way. Because you don't get afraid about things that you don't care about. Like if you don't care about your marriage, you don't get afraid about losing it. But if you care about it, there's fear there. Mm-hmm. So fear is now becoming my compass. Why do I have fear? I have fear because I want to do this so bad. Every fiber inside of me. And the fear is I could fail. Well, that's a great compass because if failure, if something doesn't mean something to you, failure means nothing. But because this means so much, failure means so much. All right. So what are some of the conversations you've had leading up to this um, giving notice? I'm going to go start my venture. What are some of the conversations you've been having in your head? Boy, it's what's your level of commitment? Are you truly committed? You know, you added and it was beautiful timing, Tony. You added me to your group called Level Up in December. And I had made this mental decision the week of Thanksgiving to say, I'm going to pursue and just see if this is really what I'm ready to be committed about. And I get a a note from you and you said, Peter, do you want to join this group? It's called Level Up. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, absolutely, man. This is perfect. And that month I did stuff that I've never done in a month's time before. Never. And the next month was better. And the next month was better. And it led me to that decision. So the first com... I'm I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm just trying to motivate you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So the first thing in my head was, am I really committed? The second conversation I've had in my head is, what do I need to do? What are the things that I need to focus on? And one of the very first things was, I said, I need to get with my family and make sure that they're on the same page as me. And we've had this conversation, I've had this conversation with them many, many times. And there's always, you know, great fear and trepidation and, you know, lots of questions from my wife and kids. This is the first time ever, Tony, that we had none of that. I mean, my kids were asking me stuff like, when are you leaving? Why aren't you doing it sooner? My wife was saying, what can I do to help? When are you leaving? I mean, it, it completely transformed because, and here's why, because I think this is the first time ever that I showed up with not just 100% intention, but with 100% action behind it. That's huge, right? So you take the C-level student kind of growing up, you take the student out of Rainier, you go from 948 to 947. <laughs> I got to go back to that. I just think that's really, really cool because there's a story there because you could stay. Yeah. yeah. You could have stayed and what your life would look like today would be completely different than what you are walking into as your kind of Man, opportunity yeah. of a lifetime, right? Yeah. 
You talk about your girlfriend, your wife, like you talk about these situations, you talk about bringing something to your kids. And yeah, you maybe have this like worry, doubt, fear, and you get the opposite. You get comfort. Let's do this. This is awesome. Like, why haven't you left? And you get to really see that when you step into your potential, which is ultimately your greatness, and you discover for yourself, like, why the hell not? Like, why have I waited so long? Because you had to wait long enough to get to the point where you had to do all these things. You had to go do the TED Talk. You had to go from Western to Great Western. You had to do all of these things to get you prepared. And I believe it wasn't like I sent you a message (laughs) at Christmas time. I think the universe was saying, I'm ready to level up. And the universe and everything on all the vibrations and everything just amounted to you taking time for you. Yep. And I think that's my favorite hashtag. You do you. I'm tired (laughs) of others trying to be like me or I'm trying to be like somebody else. I'm like, no, you do you. And if you surround yourself with people who encourage and push and challenge and question, you know, I think Peter's voice And then Peter's one question has been really helpful today of kind of like in an interview, even asking that, like, what is it? Like, what's this thing? Like, if you're not working, what is it that you love to do? And if you're not doing that, then maybe there's this space that maybe we're not in alignment because I want to help you get to that next level. But if you're so far from what we really are looking for, we're probably never going to be able to kind of like, our energies are never going to be in alignment. So what I'd love to do is we're going to take a quick little break. What we're going to do is I'm going to challenge you on the top of Success Mountain. I'm going to take you back to being a kid in junior high, elementary, and we're going to play King of the Mountain, King of the Hill. We're going to, I'm going to try to push you off. I'm going to try to figure out some things to maybe to challenge you a little bit on, and, yeah. and then I'm going to figure out how to bring a lot of support and clarity today because anybody who's listening, and I know that you're a little scared. You're like, I'm not so sure if I could just walk away and follow my dreams. I'm going to come back, and we're going to dig a little deeper with Peter into how he really got to that question, and besides some of the things that he did, but what is some of the things that he's learned on his journey that prepared him to take the launch out of the you know plane and maybe not even have his parachute ready and then decide to pull the ripcord because he knows in the end, like if you're not living your dream, you're living somebody else's dream. And that's probably not what you want to do, but you're probably stuck doing it because you don't know there's another way. So we're going to find out from Peter how he's been doing that and what he's looking forward to with his new venture, Meeting Spark, and then how we really can learn from Peter today. That's, I think, the true message of this show. You know, you got to follow your heart. You got to follow your voice. You got to follow your passion. And you can't, no matter where you're at on your path and your journey, you can't go back once you make a decision to move. You can if you want, maybe in a marriage or a relationship. But man, when you make that pivot in that venture, I was talking to somebody yesterday. He's like, I'm thinking about stopping being an entrepreneur and just going getting a full time job. And I like, I like, what? Like, I got to stop you. Not stop you because I want you to. I want to challenge every fiber in your being to ask yourself some deeper questions. Because if that's the case, why were you an entrepreneur in the first place? Yeah. Like, so we'll be back right back with Peter Lynch on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. And we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show. Today's in-studio guest, Peter Lynch, just made 
the biggest leap of faith that he's probably made in his life next to probably his marriage. <laughs> um, he's like, is this going to work out? Is she going to love me no matter what? Well, he's discovered that she is right by his side. The family unit is all on board with Peter in this this path of the meeting spark. And I think just beyond that, I'm always taken back to that scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when his dad is literally grasping for air mm. and he's got to make the leap Indy from yeah. the lion's mouth right to the other side. And a lot of that is just taking a next step. Yeah. All right. So you've made the step. So you, now you're a full-time, <laughs> got to make money entrepreneur. <laughs> your wife work? Yeah, she works. We have horses and my girls are all really involved. She works at the barn and it pays for a lot of what they do there. All right. But, but the, <laughs> the breadwinner yes. full-time is you. Yes. The meeting spark Gotta pay off. <laughs> so tell me as you stand on the top of this success mountain for a moment, because I think you reached to what I like to call of money wasn't the answer. And we pulled that all down for a yeah. moment. We just talked about success as like getting to the next highest peak. Yeah. You just climbed a bunch of 14ers to get you to this moment. Tell me about some of the things that you're really excited about. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really excited about Meeting Spark for one. You know, it's this idea that what we're going to do is completely transform something that takes up most of most people's time in corporate America. But we've been doing it the same way for 150 years. I mean, we've changed the rooms, but we haven't changed the meeting. So I am pumped about this because, again, when we talk about the future of talent, what I'm looking to do is transform that thing we do the most at work to make it something of value. You know, there's 25 million meetings every day in America. 67% of them are deemed a failure by executives. 48% of them are deemed a failure by managers. This thing that we are doing most of the time is failing most of the time. Something's broke. And I want us to take a completely new look at it and say, let's throw out the old model and bring in a completely new model for how we build meetings. That's one piece. The other is my great passion is speaking and really inspiring and challenging people. And so I'm getting some great opportunities to keynote. I've been delivering some sessions already, and I'm really looking forward to more of those. Wow. That is, uh, it's inspiring, right? So like we say, you know, meetings have been the same for 100, 150 years. You said something and I was going to challenge you. I think the other <laughs> thing that hasn't changed or has changed is people, right? So yeah. I think so many times people just follow people and they get the same result. And you are causing new questions to be asked. Yes. You are causing in such a way that's going to stimulate meetings to kind of pivot yep. a little bit to show you some new paths. So what were some of your frustrations with meetings? What are some of the things that caused you to say, I want to go launch a product that's going to challenge the way we do meetings because I want to make meetings better? So multiple things. Number one, how many of them there are. You know, it's so easy, especially as a leader in a company, for your entire day to be consumed with meetings. I kept thinking, me being somebody who is so action-oriented, how can I get stuff done if I'm always in meetings? That's number one. Number two is that there is zero thought put into how long should they be. Outlook has killed us. Meetings are 30 minutes or an hour every time because it just works really well and easy with Outlook. We don't ask why, and people fill the time that they're given. The next thing is we don't create strong agendas, we don't have strong action items, and we don't rate the meetings. We don't know if people think this is valuable or successful. I want one of our tools as part of MeetingSpark is we are going to rate the leader at leading meetings and we're going to rate the value of meetings so that a leader could actually go back and say, this meeting has no value and it's taken up eight people on my team for an hour every week. Cancel it. 
Okay. My business partner and I, we have this kind of discussion a lot. We talk about meetings, right? And when we first launched our company, (laughs) you know, 17 years ago, we met once a week. Yeah. I think there's days where he's in like six meetings. Yes. (laughs) Some of them are reviews of where you're at, what you're working on, but it's like the same thing. So we've been talking a lot about meetings. I'm excited. I appreciate it. You handed me some cards today. They're called Spark Cards. Yes. They're from themeetingspark.com. And they're really things that you can use to ask questions, change up kind of some of the basic stuff that, you know, I think it's to create curiosity. It's one question or multiple questions you can ask to change some of the, you know, invite everyone to share two things they are grateful for. Like that's just one of the meeting activities. But I love the weekly action. Start each day by going to the desk of everyone on your team and ask what they're working on, right? So first, like, what are they grateful for? And then an action item for you is just to go on your team and just say, hey, what are you working on? Like, instead of just having them come into a meeting and saying, (laughs) I'm working on X. Yes. (laughs) There was a great study that just came out and said, the thing that employees today value more than anything more than their pay, more than their work environment. The thing they value more than anything is progress. People are tired of not being able to have progress. And one of the things that meetings I don't think do is they don't generate good progress. So this idea of going around to people in the team and say, what do you do? The idea there is to help them solve some problems and get stuff done. People love to check a box, but meetings are the antithesis of checking a box. So we want to create a, like one of the other activities that I love, this is one of my favorite, is at the beginning of a staff meeting, you step in there and say, what's the toughest problem that somebody in here has to solve? That it's been on your plate for a long time and you can't solve it. Go around the room, people talk, everybody finally, we determine one. And we say, we're going to now take the rest of this 55 minutes of this meeting, we're going to help you solve this. We're going to get this off your plate right now. I mean, so are you saying that you would almost pivot the entire meeting to just focus on that problem? Yes. So the meeting, instead of like, well, I had 50 things I needed to get done, I'm just using this and I had a checklist to make everybody happy. Yeah. You're just going to take all the attention and help, you know, that person. Yes. And that teaches the team about what a team really means, right? Sometimes a team is, I love the Spurs have this idea. It's called the sacrificing good in the pursuit of great. So do you have to sacrifice some stuff to get there? Yes. But you're sacrificing good in the pursuit of great. All right. So what sacrifices for good have you made recently so that you can continuously work towards being great? (laughs) Uh, Quitting my job because I had a good paycheck. I had good stability. I had good benefits. Lots of good there. But I determined, you know what, Peter, it's time for you to pursue great. Good is good, but it's stagnant. And I want to be someone who is always trying to pursue great. You know, my buddy Mark Sanborn just wrote a book called The Potential Principle. And I love the concept that he said, in life, there's only one thing that beats best. It's better. Mm. And I always want to have that forward momentum to say, I'm trying to get better. Good is good, but great is better. Oh, great. Yeah. And it's also something of an elusive state because we try so hard and sometimes we stay there just a few moments. So I said that you were going to take us down the mountain. Yeah. I'm going to let you be the Sherpa. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to guide us. So I want to kind of get into the mindset around lessons and opportunities. Uh, maybe that you passed on some things that you've kind of seen come your way and you maybe in the moment just say no, but look back and maybe either regretted for a little bit or even have thought about it and this just kind of inspired you to keep pushing yourself forward to yeah. eventually become a full time entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them are things that I've, you know, done in the past. I've, I've had, intermittent success speaking. And it's not intermittent in that it's not 
always stellar. It's always stellar. It's just that I do it a little bit and then I am doing, you know, work, my day job. And, you know, I've regretted that I feel like one of the things that I've been blessed with is the ability to convey an idea um, in a way that inspires people to action. You're a great storyteller, by the way, too. Yeah, thanks. I love that because I think that's like a big piece that people are like, I don't have confidence around public speaking. So how did you create awareness for yourself around that? Again, I think a lot of it, it's twofold. One piece is I think it's something that I've just been blessed with as who I am. You know, when I was 15, I actually created a speaking brochure for myself. I said, why hire Peter? And I listed four things. And the four things I put were laughing, listening, learning, living. I said, if you hire me, I'll make you laugh. And if you laugh, you'll listen. And if you listen, you might learn. And if you learn, you might live. Now, I had no training, you know, in the science of instructional design or training delivery. And years later, I'm at Corporate America. And one of these, you know, highly trained instructional designers, they had a PhD in instructional design. They said, Peter, what do you think of Gagne? And I was like, who is Gagne? (laughs) And so he walked me through the principles of Gagne. They were the exact same things that I had articulated when I was 15 years old. So it's part of my DNA. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I love... See, I think as a business owner, and I literally wake up every single day with the mindset of contribution, and I can't wait to get to work and help to contribute and do as much as I possibly can. Some days I have zero interaction with any employees or team members. I'm just doing my thing. And then some days it's 100%. What fills your bucket more? What do you feel like most aligned by yourself or with a bunch of people all working on tons of stuff? Man, that's a great question. I mean, I see both sides of it, but mm-hmm. you're asking you're asking me which do I see more? Yeah. I definitely think more is when I'm around people. I think that definitely feeds my fire more. Are you an introvert? No. Well, I've never been measured as an introvert, never been told I'm an introvert. I do though like my pockets of alone time. Yeah, and I do. That's why I was asking because I, I think, you know, like I have said for a long period of time, meeting you was such a great opportunity for me to grow as a human being because I kind of felt like I found somebody like me. Yeah. That I get. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, we're great. Sometimes we're really good with meeting together. And, and then we're like, we're really world travelers and we're all doing stuff and seeing everybody. And we're like, oh, yeah, we need to get back together and then lose talk. And, and it's kind of like that old friend from high school. Yeah. Like you haven't talked to him in like 20 years and you like pick up like it was just yesterday. Yeah. You're like, do you remember? Oh, yeah, that was so great. All right. So you're taking us down the mountain. What kind of things are you just thinking right now on your path, like in your journey and this walk down, like going through this interview process? What are some questions that you have? Well, I mean, some questions I have (laughs) for me is, am I providing things that people are willing to spend money on? You know, generating revenue is something in my mind right now because I am, you know, the breadwinner. And so So how many customers do you currently have? Currently have five customers. Okay. So have you been able to answer that question? Yes, I think so. <laughs> you provide a lot of value. Yeah. Right. And, and thank you. That's a great question. <laughs> if you spend some time looking in on those five customers, what are some things that you've already learned about what you do and how it applies change to those five customers? Well, oh, man, that's a great question. I'm going to share an example with you, Tony, of, and this kind of speaks to what you just asked me, but also that whole idea of when you walk in something towards something, the universe shows up. So I was in Boston and I'm walking through the hotel lobby and all of a sudden I hear this person yell out, Peter. And I turn around and it's a friend of mine who I haven't seen in three years. And he says, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, we connected. So we ended up sitting down and talking for two or three hours and I shared what I'm doing and what I'm building. 
And he said, oh, man, Peter, he said, I can't believe I've never thought of this. And he works for a $15 billion company. He's in sales leadership. He said, we need this so bad. We need this so bad. So, you know, I think one of the things that I can do is share a vision in a way that people can attach themselves to and see the value. And he saw that. But Tony, it never, I never saw the value and it never happened until I started moving towards it. Until I had not just intention, but action. And the energy was there. You know, I was committed. This is happening. Then all of a sudden this stuff started showing up and it really blew my mind. And so the question of value has gone down or revenue, but it's still there. You know, I still have the question of, can I sustain? You know, that's always been something for me. I always say I'm the fastest 80 meter runner in the world, but it's a hundred meter race. So the sustain is definitely a fear and a question of mine. Unpacking some of the shares that you just did in the storytelling in the lobby in Boston, you know, it reminds me how much value you bring, but also how many people are raising their hand, but no one's listening. Yeah. And so the meeting spark is really going to be listening to a lot of what people are raising their hands. They just don't have a voice. And so you're going to create a platform for them to be heard. I think that's like, I was also thinking like, you're like, oh, you know, I haven't had a chance to do this speaking thing full time. And I'm like, well, imagine all these companies you're going to begin to work with and clients, how you can come in and start lesson teaching and then doing the video platform and the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah. But how you get to start living out the things that even that 15 year old little boy (laughs) was creating. Right. And you're like, I love, I love two facets of our interview today. One, I love that your upbringings were one of simplicity. It wasn't complex. It was just like, Hey, you didn't know your dad and your mom and the value that your mom instilled, even showing you just some of like the early life lessons to now the support of your family. Yeah. So like no matter how or where you were born or how you were raised, like there is an opportunity to find your tribe, find your groove. Mm. And then the second piece is, is that you have to kind of follow, I don't want to say your gut because I don't like that term. I really think you have to follow your heart. And that's what I think you've been living with for the last five years, but your heart's been torn. Do I give it up or do I go all in? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was just reading about I was watching a documentary and reading some stuff online about Tut, Tutankhamun, and Mm. they were saying how he wanted to show his people. He wanted to show his people because when they found him, like in the 1900s, you know, and uncovered something that hadn't been found for for hundreds and thousands of years, is he was missing his heart. Hmm. And that was very common when they embalmed you, but because the the heart was kind of like something that you would give as an offering to like the, but he was also inside his kind of tomb was two unborn baby girls and they were like his kids. But one of the reasons why I was saying this is they also found his chariot and he had a hard, he had some messed up feet and had some other problems, walked with a cane, Hmm. died very young. But the thing is that he went into battle to show his people Hmm. that you have to fight. He wasn't the kind who stood back and said, you know, hey, go fight that war or that battle. He said, I need to go into battle myself Mm -hmm. and I need to lead. And that's what you're doing for your kids right now is you're being the leader. You're showing them like, hey, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to do this together. And I love that. Mm, That's powerful. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into, I think the fulfillment round is going to allow the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. They're made up questions. There's no phone a friend. There's no like, <laughs> there's no Regis to say who wants to be a millionaire to you. Right or wrong doesn't matter. The questions have no bearing on the outcome. You can't win. There's okay. nothing to win. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So I'm, I'm actually going a little off my normal path Ooh. and asking questions based on some of the stuff around meeting spark. 
So you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So first and foremost, pick something out of your pocket or purse and share with the group why it's important to you. (laughs) So these are my Bluetooth headphones. Okay. And why this is important to me is I always want to get better. So everywhere I am where I have an opportunity to learn, I put these in and I go online and I learn. All right. If you could be a candy bar, any kind of candy bar, what kind of candy bar would you be? And tell me a little bit about it. Uh, Snickers, no question, because it's awesome, number one. And it's full of nuts. It's nutty. It's it's a nutcase. You know, <laughs> I'm a little bit nutty, but I think I bring a little bit of awesome, too. Uh, that's great. Three foods. Three foods to get you through the day like you could eat every day for like the next 60 days. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, I'm not making it a lifetime. Just three foods. Like I had to eat X, Y, and Z. These were the only three foods I could have for the next 90 days. What would you choose? So one is in front of me. It's not really a food. It's coffee. I love coffee. I'm making a Bieber heart right now. I love <laughs> coffee. Uh, number two would be probably steak. I mean, I just, man, a good steak. Hoy vey. That's awesome. And then lastly, I would say, man, this is a tough question. The third food. Oh, breakfast. I love it. Breakfast is my new favorite thing. So eggs, sausage, bacon, something like that. All right. If you had to pick one spot to go on vacation, one spot. And you couldn't go anywhere else ever again. You only pick one spot. Where would you go and why? (laughs) So I would go to Cannon Beach, Oregon. That is my place where everything gets quiet and I get super focused. It's a small little town on the Oregon coast. It's gorgeous. Haystack Rock is there. It's the second largest freestanding rock behind the Rock of Gibraltar. My kids and my family love it. It's a small community and it's full of a couple things. Art galleries and coffee shops. So see answer to favorite foods for why I love coffee shops, but it's quiet, it's reflective, it's beautiful. What would you like someone to know about you, but you've never shared? Hmm, man, that's a deep one. Um, I would say it's that my answer would be that I'm scared. I would say most people that know me would say I'm a fearless person, you know, because I come with great confidence. When I decide something, I move hard and fast, but that I'm afraid. You know, I have fears. Okay. A couple more questions for you. Favorite genre of music? Ooh, yeah. Right now, we just, uh, about a year ago, we bought a pickup truck. So you know where this is going. A jazz. Yeah, totally. Yeah, jazz, jazz. Yeah, no, (laughs) country. (laughs) Do you have a favorite country artist? You know, we went to see Thomas Rhett, and he was awesome. I would say, though, no question. This guy, to me, just moves me like no one else is Chris Stapleton. Oh, yeah. Have you heard his new song with JT? Oh, yeah. Awesome. If you could get up on stage with Thomas Rhett, whose father was around when I was in radio, Rhett Akins. Really? Yeah, he's a great song if you ever (laughs) want to go look at that. Or Chris Stapleton and get up on stage and pick up an instrument. What would you choose to pick up and would you be okay if he asked you to do a solo? Yeah, I would pick up a harmonica and yes. Damn, I like that. That's very (laughs) cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Peter Lynch. And what we're going to do is put in the show notes links to uh, the Meeting Spark, how you can get in touch with Peter. So if you are listening online, visit TonyGrubmeyer.com, find Peter's interview. You grab all the show notes. It'll be available also on YouTube. And if you found today's interview to be helpful, 
I ask that you seek out Peter on social media. Uh, definitely you can find him. Also, feel free to leave a review over at iTunes for Peter and also the show. The best thing that we can do is ask for your help to spread the message, spread the word, get the Be Fulfilled show in more people's digital devices so more people can listen and consume what we're putting out to the world. Just want to say thank you, Peter, for coming on the show. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.